Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Classes of Veteran. Today on Classes of Veteran, as we expand this podcast, we're going to speak to a veteran and a first responder. It's hard to believe that they can be um, one in the same, but in today's society, a lot of our first responders are veterans and vice versa. Today, our guests um, will get a chance to talk about both sides of life in service and then out of service to his community. So stay locked in. It's going to be a great, great podcast. Uh, a lot of laughs. Um, you know, all those great things that we do here on Classes of Veterans. Come back at you. Thank you for tuning in on Anchor. Welcome to Classes of Veterans. And I encourage every veteran listening to this first responder patriot to download the Anchor app and join me here on Classes of Veterans to talk about all the issues that we're going to discuss, crack some jokes, have a good time, and be a part of a movement which is changing the face of today's veteran to show the real community how we really are. Download the Anchor app. Give it a whirl. Holla at your boy, Vinny Mo 2900 on Twitter. Check it out once again. Download the Anchor app, Vinny Mo 2900 on Twitter. Be my guest right here. I'm going to crack some jokes. I'm going to talk some shit to you. You can talk some shit to me. Grow some thick skin. We'll do this together. Classes of veterans right here on Anchor. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here on Classes of Veteran. As always, uh, your your host with the most. Not you. <laughs> not <the> most. <laughs> I, I mean, there's Vinny Moe, so the, the Vinny Moe said that, that works, right? Welcome to the podcast, Vinny Moe. And welcome, my co-host, uh, Jay. Welcome. Um, today's guest, actually, you want to you wanna introduce our guest? Okay. <laughs> we want to welcome our guest, Tracy, to the show. Um, I, I, I usually am kept in the dark on the details of, of our guests, so that's all I've got. Um, because Vinny wants me to be surprised through the whole thing and just go into it hey, blind. There's a lot I'm of like like... with a bag of tricks. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a lot of shit that I go into. People I've talked to, I'm like, man, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know that. I mean, this is this is what we do. I I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. I, I'm, I'm okay with it. That's all I've got. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. I, I appreciate being here. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, everybody out there in podcast land, our our uh, our guest today is uh, Tracy. And you know what the worst part about it is? I don't want to butcher your last name because I butchered it like the first time I met you. I butchered it like six times. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get this guy's name right this time. And I was like, nope. I'm going to get it right this time. Nope. Tracy Durbin. Yes, that is correct. Yes, you, you got it right that time. However, six of our board members sent emails to all of us last week, and they said, tell her we hope she's okay. <laughs> I wanted to respond back and say, so I get that all the time. So I was going to ask. I wasn't going to fix it. I'll just let them assume that until they show up at the board meeting, and they're like, shit, we have a dude. <laughs> I was, that one threw me off. 
too, whenever, whenever I was reading the, the stuff, the, the emails. So that 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 that's actually a really great place to start. Um, what? That I'm a girl? No, 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 no. Your your your, your name, your name, like 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 your name. That that that's your roots. Uh, that's you know where you're from. So um, I'm just gonna just take a shot in the dark that you probably grew up out in the country. A little bit. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, a little bit. <laughs> so it's like, so it's hard being a boy named Tracy then. Yes. Outstanding. Where at? Where, uh, where, are you, where are you from? I grew up in Concordia, Missouri. I was born in Chandler, Arizona. So my dad was in the Air Force. We traveled around quite a bit when we were younger. And then my parents had split up and I ended up in Concordia. And then that's where I, that's where my roots are, so to say. I started uh, third grade there and then kept going until I graduated. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, uh, a little rural town. We've been, I think we've it's been about there. 60 miles east of Kansas City on yeah. Interstate 70. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, you know, I, the reason why I know it so well, they have an uh, amazing range out there. They have a, the Missouri oh, yes. Department of Conservation. They have an amazing open range out there. Yes. I thought you were going another route with that for a second. <laughs> it's a called Parade they do. No, used to do. no, no. What about the parade? Oh, shit. <laughs> so it's, it's a small town and... Growing up, and, and I don't want to say, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. We were not a diverse community, Okay. if that makes any sense. Gotcha. So every uh, fall, we had the we had the fall festival, and okay. they had the Concordia Comedy Club, but it was KKK, and that's how everything was spelled. We were not a diverse community. <laughs> gotcha. Yes. I gotcha. I gotcha. So growing up. And then going into the military, I know we'll we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. It was it was eye opening. Yeah. For for one, and I met several other people that had similar backgrounds when I was in the military as well that had never seen a person of color, brown, mm-hmm. black, uh, yellow, any of that. They they just they never had any uh, opportunity to interact with other people, and. You could tell sometimes. You could really tell. Yeah. I. Uh, it's funny you say that. And uh, and and Jay, tell me, tell me if, if I'm incorrect. If you've ever seen this, but um, I've told you about store some of my stories of, of that. Like for me, being being a person with a great year-round tan, meeting individuals who didn't understand you have a that. Tan? Oh yeah. Oh, oh year-round tan. I'm just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I, but it really tripped me out, right, to see the opposite, because I was like, "What do you mean?" And the response was, "Your kind only comes around when it's picking season." Oh shit! <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, well, uh, looks like you're about to get knocked the fuck out." And then, and then, and then, but then they would become friends. It's picking season. <laughs> Just picking me fighting because I'm gonna beat your ass. <laughs> and that was something that was that was really, uh, you know, and it was on the opposite end, right? It was an eye opener to me because. Growing up in the middle of Kansas City, I we we seen a little bit of everybody. It was just right. you know, it was just yeah. You, know, you had you had people of all colors and all religions. Uh, and then when I went to the military, um, when you like, I can recall that. And I remember I was like, and <laughs> it didn't work out too well for the individuals who who continued to say that. I've never been so close to those people before. And the drill sergeant heard that, and uh, well, you know how it goes. Oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. You, you have an eye-opening experience from a drill sergeant. Okay. 
Wait, what what happens though? You wanna <laughs> you go ahead. you go ahead. You, you know, I mean, you can... after you get the brown crown, which is their hat, bounced off of your forehead while they're yelling at you for ten minutes about diversity and you need to open up your eyes to the world. Now you're going to do physical training in front of your platoon so that we can watch you and it'll change your attitude about everything. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and, and and you might uh, get your ass beat by someone else later, but that's the official part of it. <laughs> no, cor correct, one hundred percent right. And then and then um, I can tell you that we had a, a two two female drill sergeants, um, one African American drill sergeant. Uh, I'm sorry, two African American drill sergeants, one Hispanic drill sergeant, and then uh, um, two white boys. He's the way to put. Isn't that kind of yeah. weird how you guys say like you guys are just like white boys? Like we get to be like Hispanics, you guys are just white boys. So so we no, but the cool part about it was like they were the coolest drill sergeants ever, man. Yeah. I was like, those guys are fucking cool. <laughs> because they had been in the military so long. And yes. and when you know we talk about this and um, you know, really this is something that uh I really think that everybody who serves understands is that you don't see color anymore. Like, like you acknowledge color, you realize that that is, got it, there's gonna be some barriers for my brother, but we all bleed the same. And, yes. And, and, you also, and you also get punished the same and you're all equally worthless. Yes. yes. So I'm taking it, uh, and I, know, I just know this just because of our conversation, um, that you went to uh, basic at Fort Leonard Wood, correct? I did, yes. Home of the engineers. Home of the engineers, sappers. Outstanding. Uh, so I, growing up in Concordia, this is just a little snippet as well about the DOD spending money, which is amazing because they spend it unwisely a lot of times. So growing up in Concordia, the recruiter came from Warrensburg, which is 20 miles away. It's south of Concordia, picked me up in his car, took me back to Warrensburg. In Warrensburg, I jumped on an Amtrak and took an Amtrak to Kansas City to the MEP Center. We stayed the night. They fed us. They put us up in a hotel. Then we jumped in a taxi. We were taken to the Kansas City Airport. We were flown to St. Louis. In St. Louis, we jumped on a Greyhound bus and took a Greyhound bus down to Fort Leonard Wood. And now Fort Leonard Wood is two and a half hours south of Concordia. So we- You, you did a big old circle? The, the only mode of transportation we didn't take was a boat. So they, I'm surprised we didn't go across Lake of the Ozarks at some point. So when we, uh, when we talk about um, We've been by MEP several times. That is the beginning of the end. Here in in our region, our area, that is where all the uh, trainees are. No matter what their branch of service, that is where they take their their ASVAB. That is where they duck walk. That is where you take your ultimate enlistment, and then that is your separation point. And then, as said, because I was just like, why don't we just like get in the car and drive to like Fort Leonard Wood? And right. You already spent an hour in the car with me coming to pick me up and bring me back to put me on a train. And then, we yeah. We would have been halfway there. And then, and then also what happens is, because you got a bunch of young, young, you know, young kids, teenagers, early 20s, uh, somebody always decides to trash the hotel. And, and get drunk. Get drunk and then trash, trash the hotel. Yep. And they either end their career there or they end up paying for it one way or another. Yes. I would think that they're some common sense into not trashing the hotel the night before. There is with about 80% of the individuals that are scared to death of what the hell did I just do? And then the other ones think, oh, this is the last night of my freedom. I'm going to rock out. Okay. 
and then and then they put you on a plane uh, and go to the uh, go to St. Louis, and then that's where you hop on the bus and you go down to uh, Fort Leonardwood in this case. Then, a lot of individuals that I was at the MEP Center with when we flew out from Kansas City. So now I was staying at Fort Leonardwood, so I knew that I was meeting up with the rest of the people over in St. Louis to go down, but then everyone else was flying out to other training bases across the United States. Okay. Okay. So not everybody, not everybody, you know, obviously, and we were talking about, and we're speaking army specific. So beautiful part about MEPS is it's, it's every branch. So your Marines are going to, um, and I apologize because I don't speak Marine that way, but, uh, Camp Pendleton or, uh, um, Paris Island. Yes. That's, that's, that's one of their faces. So that's, you know, that's where they, then we all leave there together. And then I don't know, I think the Navy goes to like Sheridan's for like ice cream and the Air Force, you know, the Air Force, I think they, <laughs> all my listeners are like, yeah, whatever, fuck that. Yeah. But like, Somebody's going out for a seat. So yeah, 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 yeah. The, the Air Force stops by Red Lobster real quick and they kind of get their little Cheddar Bay biscuits and then they move on. Um, and the rest of us all go get yelled at. So, uh, so I, I, you know, I know, I know all my listeners here, uh, in all good faith. If, um, if you, if you don't like that, I said that, please come on the show. I love engaging in the conversation. Uh, you like a challenge. Well, the good thing is we, we do that a lot where we banter back and forth between the, the agencies and Air Force is usually the one that picks up a lot of the banter, but those guys are good at giving it back as well. You know, telling us that we were too stupid to join the Air Force and <laughs> get what they had. So the it's, it's time, all out of love. The, the first time I heard, you know, I started working on my job and you hear the banter going back and forth and, and I'm like, holy shit, these guys are going to start fighting pretty soon. Yeah. You know, 10 minutes later, they're laughing and moving on with life. And, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Leonard Wood, time and service, how long did you spend uh, uh, in the military? Total was eight years. I did five years of active duty because you had to sign an eight year contract and going in to be an engineer, they wanted five years of active duty. And then- You see, that? that's how realistic this podcast is. I get a phone call in the middle of a podcast. I, I saw that. Should we put them on the air? We, we it should, might be we somebody should. listening to this from the Air Force. But you know the crazy part about this? It says Agency Missouri. Where's that at? It could be the feds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know no, my phone. They're, they're listening, yeah. <laughs> he was talking shit about the Air Force. Give him a call yeah. right now. <laughs> no deal. He's on the phone for you. <laughs> so about uh, five years. Yeah, so I did five years of active duty. Three of that was spent overseas. And then I wanted to go to Fort Carson when I was coming back because I didn't want to come back to Missouri. I grew up here. I knew how hot it gets in the summertime and it's sweaty or humid, however you want to look at that. And yeah, and I had a couple of other places on my wish wish list. So when you're overseas and you're getting ready to PCS or just change your duty station, if you're not a shit bag, usually they will ask you what three places would you like to put on the list? Well, Missouri wasn't on the list for me. Fort Carson was number one for me. And that's not saying I was a shithead. I'd like to think that I was a pretty decent soldier. <laughs> and so they actually sent me back to Leonard Wood. And so I got back to Leonard Wood and I really didn't like that. I didn't like it at all. But things were different because you're not on the training side. You're on the active duty side. But then you also had to deal a little bit with the training side anytime you were moving around, moving about the installation. 
there were troops everywhere. There's gunshots going off at all godly hours. You know, tanks are shooting and they have the helicopters out on the gun ranges and stuff. You just got all kinds of artillery going off and you just kind of get used to it after a while. She um, actually had had the, uh, the joy of um, going to a SAP rendezvous. So I'm... Oh, nice! I'm actually, yes. I'm actually, yes. I'm, I'm pretty active in the uh, the sapper community. Somewhere. The very first sapper class was taking place. They had just started doing selections when I was getting out. That didn't make me want to stay. I was, <laughs> I, I was still getting out. <laughs> but I associate myself with a lot of the sappers as well. I know what the course endures over the time they spend in it, and I know how rigorous it is. And hats off to those gentlemen and those ladies that have accomplished that course. It's a hell of a feat. So to be able to put that tab on your shoulder. Now I did have a friend that went through the program and brought back a tab to me. So I, I cherish that. That's uh, it, it is definitely a, um, a very unique uh, culture. Um, and I, I was, I was lucky, lucky enough. And hopefully that gentleman will uh, grace this podcast one day. Um, he is the current president of the Sapper Association, but he was one of my mentors. Is he the Sapper that's in the hospital right now? No, that's our Major Falonico. Okay. Sergeant Major Falonico yes. is currently in the hospital, and if you happen to know his story. I've been following the updates. Yeah, he's a, uh, so uh, there's, so what's, we we're talking about, you know, kind of engineering, all of us, a buddy of mine was on this uh, podcast a while back, and uh he, he's hilarious. He's, he's, I, he, me and him went to Iraq together twice. He's on the podcast. And we were actually heading down to the Sapper Rendezvous. At that time, Sergeant Major, well, his relation to Sergeant Major Falonico was that was his brigade Sergeant Major. So, you know, he's now, uh, you know, up there. Um, been out of service, obviously, for a while. All the things he's been through. And to see, uh, I definitely know for... for he, he was intimidated and scared by him scared uh, of him how many how many people there were scared of him everybody was like, yeah grown <laughs> men are like oh yeah i i, I don't want to fuck with him like I'm, i won't even look at him unless he gives me permission <laughs> yes yeah yeah he did de- de- definitely there's a lot of respect there he, he 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 set the standard for what it is to be a sapper uh and then he trained you know my mentor was all my mentor was one of his peers and vice versa so yeah there's it's really connected i was told that when i was young like you know if you're in the engineering community come you'll come back around you know if you if you, if you, if you decide yes. you want to years you'll end up knowing somebody who's connected to somebody so that's always it's always uh and each branch has their specialized units so to say in regards to for the army one of them is is sappers um, I mean, we still have Rangers and Delta, and then you have the, the SEALs over in the Navy, and what's the Air Force one called? I apologize, Air Force people. I'm not well-versed in your language. Security forces. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it, Vinny. <laughs> uh, observer controller. They, Ford Observer, something like that. They're the guys that go out there and say, put the bomb there. We're, we'll have to Google that later on a, on a break and come back with an apologies. They, they actually do have a special. No, no, correct, 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 correct. And I don't they, remember they do. what the name of it correct. is. Yeah, they do. I'm just not first in it. Correct, they do. They're, they're actually ingrained with regular ground units. They go out there and they, yes. they, they give it. And it is something of an observer controller nature. It's not to say that's their title, but that is, they, they're out there with everybody else. And so you can have, you can have a bond with everybody that's in the in the military, so to say, that's in. So like, I, I will always have a bond with engineers. Even if they were a shitty engineer, you still did a lot of the stuff that I did as an engineer. So 
it's it's kind of that cohesiveness. And then once you do a specialized unit, it's above and beyond that with the cohesiveness and the brotherhood, sisterhood of, of what you went through. So time and service, decided to call it a day, no matter, even if they waited a tab in front of you, you were like, I like eating, I like sleeping, I'm gonna go ahead and move on. Yeah, well, so my sergeant major was Philip Cooper down at Fort Leonard Wood. And he was the one that told me, he said, you're too smart for the military. You need to get out. You know, we, you and I talked about that. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're too smart for the military. You're wanting to become a civilian law enforcement officer. It's in your best interest if you get out now and proceed with that instead of wasting the next 15 years of your life going through what you're going through and, and go out and just move forward. So it was a lot of encouragement talk from him for me not to re-enlist and then go out and do my dream that I wanted to. So when I was actually going into the military at MEPS, I told those guys I wanted to be an MP. And thank God there wasn't an available slot for me. <laughs> you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have liked it? No, I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't have, because I've met some MPs. No offense to you guys, but yeah, you're a different breed. You guys well. are fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like I, have, I have cuffs. I, I know you're sergeant major. I'll be like, listen, stand at parade rest before you arrest me. All right, they're yeah. killer. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but no, but you're 100 right. A lot of MPs, um, they join the service. They actually don't make that. They're actually the one of the what I've seen thus far. They actually don't make that transition over to civilian law enforcement. It actually is your other MOSs, whether they're combat or not, that actually yes. make that transition because. Military policing is totally different than civil policing. And and I'm just speaking here from a very ignorant point of view, because you obviously have subject matter expert on that. But uh, policing the military is a lot different than. And that's regardless of what branch you're in, whether it's security forces, military police, it, it's all different. And very rarely do you find that individual that transitioned out, whether it was after a, a, a first term commitment or it was a full career and then you find those individuals that are coming back out that are going into civilian law enforcement it's a very rare breed to find those individuals but generally when you do find them they're pretty squared away mm -hmm. yeah so is that is that why you joined the military was because you you knew that you wanted to be in law enforcement and it was the right Half? Yes. Okay. So my recruiter lied his ass off to me, as they do to everybody. I'm hearing a lot about that. Yes. Yes. They uh, any any trick in the book in order to get you to sign on the dotted line, <laughs> and that was one of the things that he had mentioned was you know it goes a long way on your resume to have military service prior to going into law enforcement when you show up at the doorstep of a police department and you tell them you want to be an officer. And you say, I'm just now transitioning out of the military. It goes a long way. And it did for me. It was, that's, that's how I got my first break was a friend of a friend of a friend that knew that I was getting out and, and gave me a shot. So it worked out kind of okay. nice. I don't know if I ever told you that I actually interviewed with KCPD. Uh, really? Yeah. You've not told me that either. Oh, well, the reason is, is because my second interview, I was like, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm probably not the guy you want for this job. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna be crooked. Um, I'm probably gonna billy club some people right away. I will probably end up in prison. I will end up, end up under investigation real quick. I was like, and I and I was 100 honest. I said I'm gonna be, and this is why. Um, my time in service in war does not equal my ability to police the general population. It's definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna explain to you how it works over there, how I control traffic. 
warning shot. Oh, that didn't work. Take out the vehicle, and then the people are next. That doesn't work over here in this country. Right, so, I, so I actually, I actually interviewed with KCPD, and uh, initially I was stoked, and then I was like, I went back and I thought about, I, I did ultimately the hard thing, and I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm from the neighborhood as well. Like, I'm probably gonna be down here. I ain't gonna work. I'm gonna be getting. I'm like, yeah, yeah, hey, my cousin, hook it up, cousin. You know. What I'm yeah. <laughs> and next thing you know, and now warning shot. Like, hey, you, you can't just do warning shots, Vince. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do that? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm honest about it, okay? <laughs> yeah, sure, that's very true. <laughs> so uh, we we'll, we we'll take a break here real quick. Um, let all of our listeners uh, grab another beer. Um, you know, do all the things that they need to do between this year. I'm going to come back and talk about, you know, you said you got your big break, right? So yeah. I want to hear about your big break uh, and, and kind of all that other fun stuff that goes with that, um, the, the big break and, and, and going forward. Um, and that, and I need another beer too. You ready for another beer? Definitely. Uh, I, I would love one. And this is exactly why. <laughs> hey, that's why you don't. You, yes, you're not, please. You're not allowed to be. And I wasn't allowed to be an officer, but I can be a podcast host. <laughs> Coming back at you after the break, classes of veterans. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here on Classes of Veteran. As always, uh, you're your host with the most. Not you. <laughs> you're not the most. <laughs> I, I mean, there's Vinnie Moe, so the, the Vinnie Moe, that, that works, right? Welcome to the podcast, Vinnie Moe. And welcome, my co-host, uh, Jay. Welcome. Um, today's guest, actually, you want to you wanna introduce our guest? Okay. <laughs> we want to welcome our guest, Tracy, to the show. Um, I, I, I usually am kept in the dark on the details of, of our guests, so that's all I've got. Um, because Vinny wants me to be surprised through the whole thing and just go into a hey, blind. There's a lot I don't of like that with a bag of tricks. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of shit that I go into. People I've talked to, I'm like, man, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know that. I mean, this is this is what we do. I I'm not mad about it. I'm not <laughs> mad about it. I I'm, I'm okay with it. That's all I've got. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. I, I appreciate being here. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, everybody out there in podcast land, our our uh, our guest today is uh, Tracy. And you know what the worst part about it is, I don't want to butcher your last name because I butchered it like the first time I met you. I butchered it like six times. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get this guy's name right this time. And I was like, nope. Let me get it right this time. Nope. Tracy Durbin. Yes, that is correct. Yes, you, you got it right that time. However, six of our board members sent emails to all of us last week, and they said, tell her we hope she's okay. <laughs> I wanted to respond back and say, so I get that all the time. So I was going to ask. I wasn't going to fix it. I'll just let them assume that until they show up at the board meeting, and they're like, shit, we have a dude. <laughs> I was That one threw me off, too, whenever, whenever I was reading the, the stuff, the, the emails. So that that's that's actually a really great place to start. Um, what that I'm a girl? No, no, oh. no, no. Your your your, <laughs> your name, your name, like oh. like 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 your name. That that that's your roots. Uh, that's you know where you're from. So um, I'm just gonna just take a shot in the dark. 
that you probably grew up out in the country. A little bit. Fucking. <laughs> 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 a a <didn't>, <laughs> so it's so it's hard being a boy named Tracy then. Yes. Outstanding. Where at? Where, uh, where are you? Where are you from? I grew up in Concordia, Missouri. I was born in Chandler, Arizona. So my dad was in the Air Force. We traveled around quite a bit when we were younger, and then my parents had split up, and I ended up in Concordia, and then that's where I. That's where my roots are, so to say. I started uh, third grade there, and then kept going till I graduated. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, uh, a little rural town. We've been. I don't think we've it's been. It's about sixty been... miles east of Kansas City on yeah. Interstate seventy. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, you know. I, the reason why I know it so well, they have an uh, amazing range out there. They have a, the Missouri oh, yes. Department of Conservation. They have an amazing open range out there. Yes, I thought you were going another route with that for a second. Another <laughs> fall parade they do. Or no, used to do. no, no. What about the parade? Oh shit. <laughs> so, it's it's a small town, and growing up, and, and I don't want to say. I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. We were not a diverse community. Okay. If that makes any sense. Gotcha. So every uh, fall we had the we had the fall festival, and okay. they had the Concordia Comedy Club, but it was KKK, and that's how everything was spelled. We were not a diverse community. <laughs> gotcha. I yes. gotcha. I gotcha. So growing up and then going into the military, I know we'll we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. It was. It was eye-opening. Yeah. For for one, and I met several other people that had similar backgrounds when I was in the military as well that had never seen a person of color, brown, mm-hmm. black, uh, yellow, n- any of that. They they just they never had any uh, opportunity to interact with other people, and you could tell sometimes. You could really tell. Yeah. I. Uh... It's funny you say that, and uh, and and Jay, tell me, tell me if, if I'm incorrect, if you've ever seen this, but um, I've told you about store, some of my stories of, of that. Like for me, being being a, a person with a great year-round tan, meeting individuals who didn't understand you that. Year tan? Oh yeah, oh year, year-round tan. I'm just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I, but it really tripped me out, right, to see the opposite, because I was like. What do you mean? And their response was, your kind only comes around when it's picking season. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, uh, looks like you're about to get knocked the fuck out. And then, and then, and then, but then they would become friends. It's picking season. <laughs> Just picking me fighting because I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> and that was something that was, that was really, uh, you know, and it was on the opposite end, right? It was an eye opener to me because you know, growing up in the middle of Kansas City, I, we, we seen a little bit of everybody. It was just, right. you know, it was just, yeah, you had you had people of all colors and all religions, uh, and then when I went to the military, um, you like I can recall that. And I remember I was like, and <laughs> it didn't work out too well for the individuals who who continued to say that. I've never been so close to those people before. And the drill sergeant heard that, and uh, well, you know how it goes. Oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. You you have an eye opening experience from a drill sergeant. Okay. Wait. What what happens though? You wanna? <laughs> you go. You go ahead. You, 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 no, after, I mean you, you can. After you get the brown crown, which is their hat, bounced off of your forehead while they're yelling at you for ten minutes about diversity, and you need to open up your eyes to the world. Now you're going to do physical training in front of your platoon so that we can watch you, and it'll change your attitude about everything. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, and and, and, and you might uh, get your ass beat by someone else later, but that's the official part of it. <laughs> no, cor- correct, one hundred percent right. And then and then um, I can tell you that we had a, a two v- two female drill sergeants, um, one African American drill sergeant. Uh, I'm sorry, two African American drill sergeants, one Hispanic drill sergeant, and then uh, um, two white boys. Easy way to put. Isn't that kind of yeah. weird how you guys say like you guys are just like white boys? Like we get to be like Hispanic, you guys are just white boys. So so we no, but the cool part about it was like they were the coolest drill sergeants ever, man. Yeah, I was like those guys are fucking cool <laughs> because they had been in the military so long. And, yes. and when you know we talk about this, and uh, you know really this is something that uh, I really think that everybody who serves understands is that you don't see color anymore. Like, like you acknowledge color, you realize that that is, I got it. There's going to be some barriers for my brother, but we all bleed the same. And, yes. And and you also and you also get punished the same, and you're all equally worthless. Yes. yes. So I'm taking it, uh, and I know I just know this just because of our conversation um, that you went to uh, basic at Fort Leonard Wood, correct? I did. Yes. Home of the engineers. Home of the engineers, sappers. Outstanding. Uh, so I, growing up in Concordia, this is just a little snippet as well about the DOD spending money, which is amazing because they spend it unwisely a lot of times. So growing up in Concordia, the recruiter came from Warrensburg, which is 20 miles away. It's south of Concordia, picked me up in his car, took me back to Warrensburg. In Warrensburg, I jumped on an Amtrak and took an Amtrak to Kansas City to the MEP Center. We stayed the night. They fed us. They put us up in a hotel. Then we jumped in a taxi. We were taken to the Kansas City Airport. We were flown to St. Louis. In St. Louis, we jumped on a Greyhound bus and took a Greyhound bus down to Fort Leonard Wood. And now Fort Leonard Wood is two and a half hours south of Concordia. So we- You, you did a big old circle? The the only mode of transportation we didn't take was a boat. So they, I'm surprised we didn't go across Lake of the Ozarks at some point. <laughs> so when we, uh, when we talk about um, We've been by MEP several times. That is the beginning of the end. Here in in our region, our area, that is where all the uh, trainees are. No matter what their branch of service, that is where they take their their ASVAB. That is where they duck walk. That is where you take your ultimate enlistment, and then that is your separation point. And then, as said, because I was just like, why don't we just like get in the car and drive to like Fort Leonard Wood? Right. You already spent an hour in the car with me coming to pick me up and bring me back to put me on a train. And then, we yeah, we've been halfway there. And then, and then also, what happens is because you got a bunch of young, young, you know, young kids, teenagers, early twenties. Uh, somebody always decides to trash the hotel and, and get drunk. Get drunk and then trash, trash the hotel. Yep, and they either end their career there or they end up paying for it one way or another. Yes, I would think that there be some common sense into not trashing a hotel the night before. There is with about 80% of the individuals that are scared to death of what the hell did I just do? And then the other ones think, oh, this is the last night of my freedom. I'm going to rock out. Okay. And then, and then they put you on a plane, uh, and go to the, uh, go to St. Louis. And then that's where you hop on the bus and you go down to, uh, Fort Leonardwood in this case. A lot of individuals that I was at the MEP Center with when we flew out from Kansas City. So now I was staying at Fort Leonard Wood. So I knew that I was meeting up with the rest of the people over in St. Louis to go down. But then everyone else was flying out to other training bases across the United States. 
So not everybody, not everybody, you know, obviously, and we were talking about and we we're speaking army specific. So beautiful part about MEPS is it's, it's every branch. So your Marines are going to, um, and I apologize because I don't speak Marine that way, but uh, Camp Pendleton or uh, um, Paris Island. Yes. That's that's one of their faces. So that's, you know, that's where they, then we all leave there together. And then I don't know, I think. Navy goes to like Sheridan's for like ice cream and the Air Force, you know, the Air Force. I think they <laughs> all my listeners are like, yeah, whatever, fuck that. Yeah. But like somebody's going out for a seat. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the Air Force stops by Red Lobster real quick and they kind of get their little cheddar bay biscuits and then they move on. Um and the rest of us all go get yelled at. So uh, so I I you know I know I know all my listeners here, uh in all good faith if um if you if you don't like that I said that, please come on the show. I love engaging in the conversation. Uh, you like a challenge. Well, the good thing is we we do that a lot, where we banter back and forth between the the agencies and Air Force is usually the one that picks up a lot of the banter. But those guys are good at giving it back as well. You know, telling us that we were too stupid to join the Air Force and Agreed. get what they had. So the it's it's time, all out of love. The, the first time I heard, you know, I started working on a job and. You hear the banter going back and forth, and, and I'm like, holy shit, these guys are going to start fighting pretty soon. Yeah. You no, know, 10 minutes later, they're laughing and moving on with life, and, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Leonard Wood, time and service, how long did you spend uh, uh, in the military? Total was eight years. I did five years of active duty because you had to sign an eight-year contract. And going in to be an engineer, they wanted five years of active duty. And then see, you see that—that's how realistic this podcast is. I get a phone call in the middle of a podcast. I, I saw that. Should we put them on the air? We, they we might should, be somebody should. listening to this from the Air Force. But you know the crazy part about this? It? it says Agency Missouri. Where's that at? It could be the feds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know no, my phone. They're, they're listening in. <laughs> he was talking shit about the Air Force. Give him a call right now. <laughs> no deal. He's on the phone for you. <laughs> so about uh, five years. Yeah, so I did five years of active duty. Three of that was spent overseas. And then I wanted to go to Fort Carson when I was coming back because I didn't want to come back to Missouri. I grew up here. I knew how hot it gets in the summertime and it's sweaty or humid, however you want to look at that. And, yeah. And I had a couple of other places on my wish, wish list. So when you're overseas and you're getting ready to PCS or just change your duty station, they, if you're not a shit bag, usually they will ask you what three places would you like to put on the list? Well, Missouri wasn't on the list for me. Fort Carson was number one for me. And that's not saying I was a shithead. I'd like to think that I was a pretty decent soldier. <laughs> and so they actually sent me back to Leonard Wood. And so I got back to Leonard Wood and I really didn't like that. I didn't like it at all. But things were different because you're not on the training side. You're on the active duty side. But then you also had to deal a little bit with the training side anytime you were moving around, moving about the installation. There were troops everywhere. There was gunshots going off at all godly hours. You know, tanks are shooting and they have the helicopters out on the gun ranges and stuff. You just got all kinds of artillery going off and you just kind of get used to it after a while. She um, actually has had the uh, the joy of um, going to a Sapper rendezvous. So I'm oh um, nice. I'm actually yes. I'm actually yes. I'm, I'm pretty active in the uh, the Sapper community. So the very first Sapper class was taking place. They had just started doing selections when I was getting out. 
that didn't make me want to stay. I was, <laughs> I was still getting out. <laughs> but I associate myself with a lot of the sappers as well. I know what the course endures over the time they spend in it, and I know how rigorous it is. And hats off to those gentlemen and those ladies that have accomplished that course. It's a hell of a feat. So to be able to put that tab on your shoulder. Now, I did have a friend that went through the program and brought back a tab to me. So I, I cherish that. That's uh, it, it is definitely a, um, a very unique uh, culture. Um, and I, I was I was lucky, lucky enough. And hopefully that gentleman will uh, grace this podcast one day. Um, he is the current president of the Sapper Association, but he was one of my mentors. Is he the Sapper that's in the hospital right now? No, that's our Major Falonico. Okay. Sergeant Major Falonico yes. is currently in the hospital. And if you happen to know his story. I've been following the updates. Yeah. He's a, uh, so uh, there's, so what we're talking about, you know, kind of engineering, all of us, a buddy of mine was on this uh, podcast a while back and uh he, he's hilarious. He's, he's, I've, he, me and him went to Iraq together twice. He's on the podcast. And we were actually heading down to the Sapper Rendezvous. At that time, Sergeant Major, well, his relation to Sergeant Major Falonico was that was his brigade Sergeant Major. So, you know, he's now, uh, you know, up there. Um, been out of service, obviously, for a while. All the things he's been through. And to see, uh, I definitely know for... for he, he was intimidated and scared by him scared uh, of him how many how many people there were scared of him everybody was like, yeah grown <laughs> men are like oh yeah i i want to work with him like I'm, i won't even look at him unless he gives me permission <laughs> yes yeah yeah he did definitely there's a lot of respect there he, he 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 set the standard for what it is to be a sapper uh and then he trained you know my mentor was all my mentor was one of his peers and vice versa so yeah there's it's really connected i was told that when i was young like you know if you're in the engineering community you'll come back around you know if you if you you decide you didn't want to you'll end up knowing somebody who's connected to somebody so that's always it's always uh and each branch has their specialized units so to say in regards to for the army one of them is is sappers um, I mean, we still have Rangers and Delta, and then you have the, the SEALs over in the Navy, and what's the Air Force one called? I apologize, Air Force people. I'm not well-versed in your language. Security Forces. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it, Vinny. <laughs> uh, observer Controller. They... Ford Observer, something like that. They're the guys that go out there and say, put the bomb there. We're, we'll have to Google that later on a, on a break and come back with an apologies. They, they actually do have a special. No, no, correct, 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 correct. And I don't they, they remember do. what the name of it correct. is. Correct. Yeah, they do. I'm just not first in it. Correct. They do. They're, they're actually ingrained with regular ground units. They go out there and they, yes. they, they give it. And it is something of an observer controller nature. It's not to say that's their title, but that is, they, they're out there with everybody else. And so you can have, you can have a bond with everybody that's in the in the military, so to say, that's in. So like, I, I will always have a bond with engineers. Even if they were a shitty engineer, you still did a lot of the stuff that I did as an engineer. So it's, it's kind of that cohesiveness. And then once you do a specialized unit, it's above and beyond that with the cohesiveness and the brotherhood, sisterhood of, of what you went through. So time and service, so I had to call today, no matter, even if they waited a tab in front of you, you were like, I like eating, I like sleeping, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Yeah, well, so my sergeant major was Philip Cooper down at Fort Leonard Wood, and he was the one that told me, he said, 
you're too smart for the military. You need to get out. You know, we, you and I talked about that. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're too smart for the military. You're wanting to become a civilian law enforcement officer. It's in your best interest. If you get out now and proceed with that, instead of wasting the next 15 years of your life, going through what you're going through and, and go out and just move forward. So it was a lot of encouragement talk from him for me not to re-enlist and then go out and do my dream that I wanted to. So when I was actually going into the military at MEPS, I told those guys I wanted to be an MP. And thank God there wasn't an available slot for me. <laughs> you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have liked it? No, I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't have, because I've met some MPs. No offense to you guys, but yeah, you're a different breed. You guys well. are fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like I, have, I have cuffs. I, I know you're sergeant major. I'll be like, listen, stand your parade rest before you arrest me. All right, they're yeah. killer. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead. yeah. So, so, but no, but you're hundred percent right. A lot of MPs, um, they join the service. They actually don't make that. They're actually the one of the what I've seen thus far. They actually don't make that transition over to civilian law enforcement. It actually is your other MOSs, whether they're combat or not, that actually yes. make that transition because. Military policing is totally different than civil policing. And and I'm just speaking here from a very ignorant point of view because you obviously have subject matter expert on that. But uh, policing the military is a lot different than... And that's regardless of what branch you're in, whether it's security forces, military police, it's all different. And very rarely do you find that individual that transitioned out, whether it was after a a first-term commitment or it was a full career, and then you find those individuals that are coming back out that are going into civilian law enforcement. It's a very rare breed to find those individuals, but generally when you do find them, they're pretty squared away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that is that why you joined the military was because you you knew that you wanted to be in law enforcement and it was the right path? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my recruiter lied his ass off to me as they do to everybody. I'm hearing a lot about that. Yes. <laughs> yes. They uh, any any trick in the book in order to get you to sign on the dotted line, <laughs> and that was one of the things that he had mentioned was you know it goes a long way on your resume to have military service prior to going into law enforcement, when you show up at the doorstep of a police department and you tell them you want to be an officer and you say, I'm just now transitioning out of the military, it goes a long way. And it did for me. It was, that's, that's how I got my first break was a friend of a friend of a friend that knew that I was getting out and, and gave me a shot. So it worked out kind of okay. nice. I don't know if I ever told you that I actually interviewed with KCPD. Uh, really? Yeah. You've not, you've not told me that either. Oh, well, the reason is, is because my second interview, I was like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm probably not the guy you want for this job. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm probably going to be crooked. Um, I'm probably going to billy club some people right away. I will probably end up in prison. I will end up, end up under investigation real quick. I was like, and I, and I was hundred percent honest. I said, I'm going to be, and this is why, um, my time in service in war does not equal my ability to police the general population. It's definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to explain to you how it works over there, how I control traffic. Warning shot. Oh, that didn't work. Take out the vehicle and then the people are next. That doesn't work over here in this country. Right, so I, so I, actually, I actually interviewed with KCPD and uh, initially I was stoked. And then I was like, I went back and I thought about it. I did some really hard thing and I was like, no, I'm going to... I'm from the neighborhood as well. Like I'm probably gonna be down here, ain't gonna work. I'm gonna be getting. I'm like, yeah, hey, my cousin, hook it up, cousin. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and next thing you know, and now warning shot. Like, 
You, you can't just do warning shots, Vince. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do that? <laughs> but I'm honest about it, okay? That's very true. So, uh, we'll, we'll come up and take a break here, real quick. Um, let all our listeners uh, grab another beer, um, you know, do all the things that they need to do between this here. I'm going to come back and talk about your, you said you got your big break, right? So, yeah. I want to hear about your big break. Uh, and and kind of all that other fun stuff that goes with that, um, the, the big break and 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 going forward. Um, and that, and I need another beer too. You ready for another beer? Definitely. Uh, I, I would love one. <laughs> and this is exactly why. <laughs> hey, that's why you don't. You, yes, you're not, please. You're not allowed to be. And I was allowed to be an officer, but I can be a podcast host. <laughs> Coming back at you after the break. Classes of veterans. Welcome back from our Sheridan's break after talking about Sheridan's and uh, all the great things that you can do um, in each different branch of service. Uh, we went to Sheridan's real quick and got a, actually got a uh, an Air Force uh, cluster um, with some sprinkles. I got sprinkles. I don't know what you guys going to get me. Skittles. Skittles. Mike, is that frosting? Frosting. And that, that sounds like the Air Force. I love, I've actually had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, great guys here that come on here um, that are from the you know, Air Force podcast and, and, and geniuses. And I always make the joke, my mother and father were actually in the Air Force. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force as well. I just said he was in the military and I was born in Chandler, Arizona. So he was in the Air Force. <laughs> yeah. Don't say the joke? Don't say it. Okay. Well, I'll, 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 I'll hold the joke until I get some Air Force individuals here. So no, you should just let it go. Just let it now let it go. Don't say let it go. I don't know what to do. I'm what I, joke for the next tequila break we take. <laughs> what, what 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 I want to do is hear about that transition during the break. Um, you know, we're talking about that transition of you know the, the whether it's a, a, a combat soldier, a line soldier, an MP, an engineer, a marine, whatever they may be making that transition to civilian law enforcement and you know um, getting that break and that was kind of where we left off at and you were getting your break yeah i was one of the fortunate ones as i look back and realize a lot of other people struggle with that transition and doing the jobs that i've done now recognizing that transition for those etsing or i'm sorry for those individuals getting out permanently ets for those individuals i was really uh, blessed though when I was getting out. So Philip Cooper, my Sergeant Major, had given me a lot of guidance in regards to what to expect when I was getting out, how to proceed forward. And he was kind of like a life coach to me, which was nice being at a, a young adolescent age that I was and having someone that was seasoned in the military and knew what to expect because he had seen it, done it. So that was nice for me. I was working a part-time job, you know, because most of us, if you're if you're not getting deployed or anything, you're not making a whole lot of money in the military and you want to get a little bit more, so you work a part-time job. And a, a, a person had came in and they were related to the assistant chief of police of a local town. 
And so she had told me, she and I got to talking and she said, hey, you know, this is what my brother does. Would you like to go for a ride along? Yes, I would love to do that. And so this was back before cell phones as well. It kind of, <laughs> kind of dates me a little bit. So it wasn't that I could just text somebody. Yeah, yeah. You had to actually call them on the phone. Gotcha. So I called them on the phone, explained who I was, that I had met his sister. Now she had already preloaded this for me, so he knew to expect my call. And he invited me down for a ride along on a Saturday night. And I get over there, get inside the police car with him, and he covers a couple of things. One, don't shoot anybody like you would have, Vinny. Uh, <laughs> two was, you can get out of the car, but I don't want you coming past the hood of the car in case something bad happens. Okay. And then, of course, my first question, can I carry a gun? And they're like, no, you're, you're a ride along. <laughs> so we go for this ride along and it was the first car stop that we did. And when the lights came on and it just gets into your blood and you realize this is actually what I want to do. But it was a little bit of that adrenaline that got into your blood versus if you see what true law enforcement does on a daily basis. So it's 30 minutes of excitement and nine and a half hours of paperwork is usually what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. Or logistics for something else. There's a lot of downtime and you don't see that. But once you get that first piece of excitement, that adrenaline hits you and you think, yes, this is what I want to do. And you don't think about all the bad shit that might come to you later on in life. And so I, I went back to Fort Leonard Wood and kind of talked to all my buddies about this great ride along experience that I had. And it was two weeks later, they, the police department had called and said, we'd like to offer you a reserve position if you want to come over and help out. After so, one ride along? Yeah. Wow. So apparently I left an impression on them just as they did with me, which was right. really nice. So it went up to vote at the city council and they said, yeah, we'll bring this kid over and we'll put him on as a reserve and we'll check him out because they knew I was getting ready to ETS out of the army. And the idea thought was we can start grooming him now to take over a full-time position when he gets out, which is okay. what actually yeah. ended up happening. Yeah. So it was it was definitely a blessing from a friend of a friend. The, the way it all worked out, it was really good. And so I started working as a reserve with them and I would go over and I would ride with a full-time guy for a while and get a little bit more training because at that time you didn't have to attend the police academy. So you as a reserve would show up and at three o'clock- OJT type of deal. Yes, yes. Until say three o'clock in the morning when the full-time guy would go home and then you were on with the whole city from three till seven in the morning and you would get the same spiel all the time. Here's the keys to the city. Don't blow anything up and don't shoot anybody. Got it. Okay. Wow. So that was, that. that was, I, I had some really good OJT, but you were terrified to death from three o'clock till eight o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock till the next full-time guy came in. Please don't let anything happen. I can't blow the town up. <laughs> yeah, you were just waiting for the bad shit to happen. You had, you know, traffic stops down and writing tickets and things like that. And it was down by Lake of the Ozarks. So we had a lot of lake traffic that came through over the weekend. So it was enough to keep you busy. Yeah. 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 So how long did you, did you do that before you were run off full time? Six months. Oh. Yeah. It was really nice the way they had everything set up. I had about six months left in the military, so I okay. stayed with them as a reservist, as a part-time officer. Yeah. And we already had the transition logistics in place as far as when I was getting out of the military, I had taken my, my terminal leave. When terminal leave started, two days later, I started full-time at the police department. So it worked out great. Down at the lake? Yeah. That's awesome. 
that you got some interesting calls down there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. One of the ones that sticks out in my head was so down on uh, Interstate 44, which was it's that's south of the lake, but you could still pick up highway patrol traffic in your car and you could hear what Jeff City was saying to their cars. And there was a call that came out and I'll use just a little bit of police jargon here, but then I'll, I'll follow back up with what that means. So we hear a, a, a vehicle crash come out they, and they said, hey, you know, we have a we have a 1050, which is an automobile accident. And they said car versus kangaroo. And the whole airway went dead. And you heard you heard the radio person come back on and, and she said, you heard me kangaroo. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a wild animal park down on Interstate 44 and one of their kangaroos had got over the fence and wandered out on the interstate and got smoked by a vehicle. So we we weren't ready for that. Nobody was ready for that call. You know, you get you get cows, you get horses. Being in rural Mer uh, uh, Missouri, you hear a lot of the livestock getting hit by vehicles. But kangaroo was a new one. For us. Not a kangaroo. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a, a new one. And um, so the whole time, you know, you're talking here. So what I heard was one, uh, really really good leadership in the military. It yes. helped you transition out and make that positive transition. Yes. And then to include good leadership when you fell in with uh, with the with the police with the police department. Yes. Um, and then that allowed you to continue on your career and kind of build that. Um, and how long how long did you how long have how long did you serve for? What's the what's the correct terminology? With, with that particular police department, I was with them for a little bit over a year before okay. I had another opportunity. My total years now, though, mm -hmm. is 25. 25. Okay. 25 and done. 25 and done. And that's between different... Okay. Yes. So I haven't I haven't worked on the road in, in quite some time. For the last 14 years, I did training, Okay. which was nice. So I still got to meet everybody. I still had the option if I wanted to go out to the road and work. I just didn't want to. So also, there was like a part of me I was hearing, like, you know, the military side of me here is good training mentorship um you know positive transitions but the hood part of me here is that he also needs a challenge because i can't let you just like pull me over and just like throw me in cuffs i'm like i'm gonna make this happen here you gotta pack a lunch brother like i'm gonna make sure you're getting your your money's worth on training here <laughs> see and i feel that my words could have like put you into handcuffs when you would have been saying thank you <laughs> you know what you know what you know what i you know what i learned uh, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, that's, that's true. That's true. I did learn that. And then I learned um, in the military, uh, if you're in the right, just let it be. And, and I'll have my day in court and we'll call today. I had some of the most amazing leadership. I was very blessed in the, in the, the one term that I did in the military with the people that were at the top, that were overseeing everything. When I say top, also first sergeant, first sergeant, sergeant majors. I had some really, really badass, amazing leadership that kind of molded me into the person that I am today to take on those leadership roles and being in leadership roles and knowing how to act mm -hmm. in according with those and not be an asshole all the time. There's a, there's a place and a time where you have to be an asshole. Some people, that's the only thing that Did they respond that, Vincent? to. Vincent? Vincent? There's a place and a time to be an asshole. Yes, on this podcast. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I didn't know. I thought I, I thought it was on this podcast. It's not, it's not all the time. There's a place in time. <laughs> Just because you have that title doesn't get you that respect. You still have to be a good human and a good person, and and that comes along with it. Treating people right. 100%. It took me a long time in life to understand that. Don't get me wrong. I didn't come out of the military and say, yay, I had great leadership. Fucking look at me. I'm a good person. I wasn't. I mean, I still did bad shit. Did you have struggles transitioning into civilian life? From the military to civilian law enforcement, I didn't have as much of a struggle as I see people at that time were having. And then also still to this day. We have a lot more programs in place today to help transitioning uh, veterans. And then also law enforcement as well for those that are retiring and need to figure out what they want to do from here on out. When for 25 years, that's been your sole identity and it's been ingrained into you. And that's how you act and you perform when you're out in society. You still think that you're that cop or you still think that you're that soldier and you're not because you still have that identity crisis with you. So my transition, I was very fortunate that I had some leadership and some steps along the way with guidance or mentorship. So for those that are getting out now, I, which one of the things that we have is, you know, mentoring the force and that is, that is helping individuals as well. And I would love to go nationwide with that, where we'd have different chapters and that way we could reach everybody. And I mean, right now, just being in the state of Missouri, more so the the Kansas City metro area right now, but we're we're starting to cast our net. I was just out in California over the weekend, and my new sister-in-law that's coming, that's marrying into the family, uh, she has agreed to take on a website revamp for us. Amazing. And and all that's being done for free. I took her out one of our t-shirts, gave her a t-shirt, and she said that that was payment enough for it. So it's just having that net and getting individuals that want to partake in some of the stuff that we're doing. And it's a sense of giving back for them. And then also us just mentoring individuals that allows us to keep doing that, so to say, or reaching those people's probably better words. Well, and keeping individuals um, on the up and up. And, and, you know, we talked earlier um, about, you know, casting the net of that mentorship. So we spoke earlier about uh, Sergeant Major Falonico and the individuals that he affected and how he changed their lives and how many yeah. individuals he's touched and and to, to see. So I do not, I, I know of him. Once again, it was not when my direct leadership know of him. My my mentors were his peers or his ordinance, several of them. But Who to had see the same that moral compass. Correct, correct, yes. correct. So then he, you know, and that trickles then that, that then trickled down to me. Yes. And then I was able to on my time in service to pass that knowledge, those moral compass, those values on to the next generation. And that really is really what is, you know, um while that you know this podcast is just one avenue uh, but it is passing those values along, understanding, you know, understanding each other, understanding that just because you've never seen one of those people before doesn't mean that they're bad people. It just means that you got to get to know them and learn them and talk to them, right? That's just kind of what it's about. And then, you know, for me, you know, coming from the city, just, you know, just because I met some somebody who's never met anybody who did, who who's not of a, you know, a, a, of their, their color. Yeah. It's just getting to learn people. People are people, and they have that, that um, we all have those same desires, you know? And the military is what actually was able to make me more well-rounded and respect people as an individual, because that's what you are. You're a damn human being. You're a person. Mm-hmm. 
so 25 years called it a day uh and as i said for everybody who kind of here who, who, who follows the podcast knows that anybody who is on this podcast a guest or one way shape form or another is somebody that i know either in passing or i know in depth um one way shape form or another and it's probably because i have a very large net myself but uh you know this is about kind of what what you have going on now um and how we met and what what you were currently doing now if you don't mind kind of going into that yeah it was it was almost five years ago i was approached by a kansas city police officer that had been through this program I'm giving air quotes right now. You guys can't see me. We don't have any video yet. <laughs> it was a program that was supposed to help veterans and first responders that are struggling with PTSD. And and I kept telling this guy, I'm like, man, I don't have PTSD. Just it. so I was I was listening to what he had to say, but I wasn't hearing it. Mm-hmm. And this went on for probably a year, year and a half, somewhere in there. Every time we were together, because we were on the same travel circuit with going to training conferences. And he was always in my ear yapping about this damn program. And then we had we had a huge tragedy within our family, um, the one of the major ones. So we had actually lost eight people in almost three years. And all of those were, were tragic as far as emotional, but one more so than the other. So my niece was actually murdered in, uh, in Lafayette County of all places so, i mean it was close mm-hmm. and being one of the officers in the family because my brother-in-law was the chief of police at concordia for a while um but he has he has 23 years of law enforcement i had 25 and we're, we're both no longer in the field and so the entire family looked towards us to help be the the rock or the mm-hmm. stone through throughout this process and then that's when i realized that it was it was time for me to get some help because i I spiraled off into some deep, deep, dark depression after that took place and people around me were recognizing it. At first I wasn't showing any emotions and then I had no idea what was happening to me. I was closed off, I was isolated and for anybody that knows me knows that that's not the case. I'm a very outgoing, bubbly person, definitely an extrovert and want to be in the middle of everything to all of a sudden I'm behind closed doors. I don't want to get out of bed and go to work. I would start, I, I was working from home. I took phone calls and emails on my phone while I laid in bed and I didn't even get out of bed for two or three days. And so it definitely affected me and Nathan recognized that. And so finally I was sitting on my deck. Well, cause I had turned to the, to the bottle to figure out what my problems were as well. And so one night I'm out drinking on my patio and I realized maybe I do need some help. Maybe I'll give this damn program a try. So I had texted Nathan, told him I signed up for the program and then I went through it. And the first three days that I was there, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was closed off. And the reason for that was my brother-in-law sitting right next to me. Yeah. And then three of the people that were in my class were people that I knew on a personal level and a professional level because I had trained them. And I wasn't going to open up you and tell anybody my secrets. Yeah, 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 because I didn't know how they were going to look at me afterward. And on the on the third day, that was where everything changed. It was life changing. 
and I'll just tell you the, the, the program, The Battle Within, is the one that I'm talking about, and it changed my life completely. I do mentorship work for them and have for years now. I'm not going to go into the exact moment of when it was life-changing because we like to keep that as secretive as possible yeah. so that it plays out for those that come after me. Um, so after going through the program, a lot of things changed, started looking up on life, but then also realized I wanted to go back and I wanted to be a part of it because I know what it did for me. So I was able to go back and work with the veterans and the first responders that were coming through the program that were on that same path that I was, whether it was alcohol, pills, some sort of dependency, and you're walking through the, through the path of darkness, you're depressed, you feel fucking shameful, you know, how are people looking at me? And so to know that I wasn't the only one, I wasn't alone, and I wasn't walking that path alone, and then being back to help others, it was, it was so tremendously helpful for me. And I've done 20 classes now where I would take five days out of my time and I would go stay with the people that were attending the class and then helping with everything behind the scenes. Uh, and so that progressed and progressed and they started allowing me to do more things. I became a lead mentor, started running things. People come to me with questions. They're looking for answers, in, including other mentors. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful for that as well. And I still rely heavily on many of the other mentors we have with with questions or situations that arise. But I actually look forward to those days. I don't look forward to the Mondays when people are coming through the uh, coming into the room. Coming to initially you can see the the uh, the hearts hurting and the pain in their eyes you can just you can sense it as an empath and you can feel it when they come in and you just want to give these guys or these gals a hug but you know they're not ready for it yet you gotta wait till friday or maybe wednesday with some of them so you just gotta wait as people trans transition through that so after 20 classes and being relied upon more heavily and then getting to see how things are ran from the business side so I'm one of the fortunate individuals where I'm on both sides of the wheelhouse right now. I can still go out and I can still do my mentorship. And then I can also sit behind with the business and help write a grant or put logistics together for one of our fundraisers. And I'm called upon for that. And I love that. I really do. And then I met this asshole named Vincent Morales. And, I know uh, that guy. Right? <laughs> Actually, Vinny's a good dude. I, I don't know who that is because I'm Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the uh, there was a program in the making called Mentoring the Force, and I had no idea that it was it was coming up as fast and as quick as it did, and, and how much of a need we had for it. And I was given the opportunity to sit down with you, Vince, and with Justin from uh, from the Battle Within, Justin Hoover, the executive director. And Justin said, "Hey, he goes, I think you're a perfect fit for this role as the executive director of Mentoring the Force. Would you give it a consideration?" So that's when you and I met. And we kind of went over your ideas and thoughts of what you were looking for. And it, it was right in line with my moral compass and what I wanted to do. And everything just kind of fell into place the way it worked out. It worked out for both of us. And we've had those conversations. And, and, and that's really, um, you've said it several times, I can talk about your story, that a mentor in one way, shape, or form will appear. It may not necessarily yes. um, somebody who is giving you their mentorship, but the opportunity or the opportunity for you to mentor somebody. I can say that when I started um, with the nonprofit that I helped found, um, there was an individual that I worked with 
that when I worked with her, my ability to mentor her gave me such great purpose. Yes. Because as a leader, being in a leadership position, to understand how important it is to have individuals to lead and then watch them grow and then watch them pass that skill set down to the next individual. It's 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 so fulfilling and it's it full circle to see it. And I know it was fun the first time me and you met. I was I was having a day. I was fucking everywhere. I was like, listen, I know I'm about to talk really fast and I'm about to throw six six thousand things at you, but I promise you, once I come back full circle, this will all make sense. And I remember you looking at me like this guy's fucking insane. I was like, I was like, I promise you though, there's an idea here. I know this is going to work out. I thought the same thing. Did you? Like, yeah. Well, the first six months, whenever he would talk, I'd have to put my pen down or I'd have to stop typing, whatever it was. And I'd have to read his lips to follow along because he would talk so fast and he would talk in circles. Yeah. And most of the time I could keep up. Um, there were times I'm like, what did you just, you have to read that. But I had to read his lips yeah. um, to keep up with the conversation. So Vinny and I have got to got to know each other over the last several months after they, they pitched, hey, you know, come be in charge of this crazy ass wild ride we want to take. <laughs> and so we've got to know each other. And I've, I've gotten to the point where when I take a phone call and I'm talking to him where you can't read lips. I, I understand everything that he's saying now, and I know which words to pick up on and where to put those on the notes. Yep. <laughs> you, you eventually learn, you catch up, you figure it yeah. out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I love the fact that this is uh, this is the podcast that we, we put together here, and I'm getting picked on now. Usually I'm the one doing this. <laughs> this, this is, that, that's amazing. That is full circle. Yes. Um, we're going to take a break here real quick. Uh, we're going to head to Red Lobster. Grab some Cheddar Bay Biscuits in honor of uh, my Navy brethren and uh, come back at you with the conclusion of today's episode of Classes of Veterans.